0: Welcome to Two Therapist Tales, a podcast where Jacqueline Sabodi and Anna Zonin work to normalize conversations about mental health. Welcome back to Two Therapist Tales. I'm Jacqueline Sabodi,
1: And I'm Anna Zonin.
0: And joining us today is Amy Geyer. Amy is a holistic therapist who has focused her career treating trauma, grief and loss, and death and dying. She's a certified yoga instructor and Reiki practitioner, which she incorporates into her treatment. Amy utilizes somatic experiencing as a main treatment for trauma, and she'll be joining us today to discuss this technique. Amy, I love that you have joined us to talk about this powerful modality. Welcome. Thank you. So let's go ahead and get in. Um, Can you tell us what somatic experiencing is? I think as clinicians, we hear this word somatic a lot, you know, tossed around. Oh, you know, somatic symptoms. But what does that really mean? And also the founder, Pierre Levine, what did he mean by waking the tiger?
2: Yeah. So really, soma means body, Mm -hmm. right? And this treatment is all about bringing awareness to the body Mm -hmm. because we get in our heads, Mm -hmm. lots of thinking, lots of processing in that way. And this is really the bottom up processing from the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Peter actually watched animals in the wild, mm-hmm. and he realized, like, wow, well, they get uh, attacked on a regular basis or mm-hmm. their survival is threatened. Mm-hmm. So decided <clears throat> there's something happening that they're not being traumatized mm-hmm. here, and I'm wondering what that is. And he he realized watching them that their nervous system gets to complete this loop, mm-hmm. Um, and then it it's basically final, mm-hmm. and then they can just kind of start again, mm-hmm. right? And so when he, in the 60s, when he was um, working with people for relaxation, mm-hmm. he had a woman who was, they have high blood pressure, and mm-hmm. he was working on relaxation techniques with them, and she <clears throat> got very, like, worked up, and then she calmed down, and then she got worked up again, mm-hmm. and he got concerned because of the high blood pressure mm-hmm. and asked her to really calm down. Mm-hmm. And she did, but she went so far down that he was concerned about that too because her heart rate went to like 50. Mm-hmm. And he saw kind of in the corner of his eye, sort of like an image of a tiger. Mm. And he said to her, a tiger's chasing you. You have to run. And so she she was like worried for a moment. And then he encouraged her and was like, you can do this. Mm. And her body just went into this whole thing and for like 40 minutes or so she was mm. going through this somatic thing in her body fighting mm-hmm. this tiger. Mm-hmm. And when she came out, she talked to him about it and she basically said she, she, could, feel, she could feel the energy and releasing and then she had an image of her as a four-year-old mm. 20 years earlier mm. where she had been held down for mm-hmm. a tonsillectomy mm. and couldn't escape. Mm. And so for 20 years she was trying to escape mm. in her body and she couldn't. And then he finally gave her the space to do that mm-hmm. in her body and her nervous system. Mm-hmm. And she was, she felt just that completed the loop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about that piece about animals in the wild and that they are, you know, traumatized day in and day out, right? So, we think about, there's this video I watched about a polar bear, right? And the polar yes. bear is being chased, you know, by this plane, right? This is this is one of the classic um, videos that they show with somatic experiencing. And, um, you know, as human beings, we are traumatized, right? Every day we go through all types of trauma, especially in this day and age. And so what you're saying is Peter Levine saw a gap, you know, this is happening to animals in the wild. They're not traumatized. They go on, they function, you know, they, you know, they're not incapacitated. But as human beings, when we're traumatized, um it tends to be interrupted, the flow, the loop, right. right? Do you have any examples of what happens that there's an interruption in that loop with human beings?
2: Well, I think it's a good, good to explain kind of just the way that it works, right? Mm-hmm. So with, we were, first you have just orienting where you're just kind of like, let's say you're walking on the boardwalk and you're just kind of enjoying the sights, you're hearing the ocean and all of a sudden you hear kind of like a building crumbling or something happening. And then you go into defensive orienting. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to turn to look. Your eyes are totally involved in this. You're turning to look. Your ears are involved. And you see this building crumbling. Your nervous system then goes into fight or flight. Mm-hmm. We often will pick flight first because it's the easiest. So let's say you're mm-hmm. you're fleeing from this situation automatically. Your body's just doing this, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, stay alive. Mm-hmm. And Let's say you can't – it crumbles so much that you can't really it, – it goes on top of you. You're mm-hmm. lying down. You're going to start to do the fight response, trying to push the stuff off. <clears throat> and then your body is going to say, this isn't working. The best chance of survival is to just freeze, collapse down, mm-hmm. and not do anything because that lowers the breath, gives you a chance to just kind of like reserve all of the energy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what happens is then – for so let's say that somebody comes and saves you. Okay, the building stuff you're gonna come back up into fight and flight. Mm-hmm. So it could show up as like shaking or mm-hmm. arguing mm-hmm. with somebody that's mm-hmm. trying to save you, mm-hmm. and then you would go back up to defensive orienting. Mm-hmm or, and then back up to just regular orienting, mm-hmm. and people get stuck mm-hmm. a lot in the
0: different states,
2: because the mm-hmm. they didn't get a chance to complete it, mm-hmm. because it gets interrupted. Yep. Whether it's that, um, like Peter talks about one situation for him, he was hit by a car.
1: Mm. <clears throat> I was just going to say that, I remember yeah. when he talked about that in, the, in, the, in his book, um, In An Unspoken Voice, right, I believe? Yeah. And he wanted to shake, and right. that was a natural response for him. Right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, but that's exactly it.
2: Yeah. And so, so, so many people, right. They get into an accident like that and mm-hmm. then they're strapped down. Mm-hmm. We can understand why, because maybe something internal is going on when you want them to not move their body, but their body wants to move. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then it gets stuck. It's thwarted mm-hmm. what needs to happen. So the somatic stuff in therapy is about mm-hmm. giving Allowing the client to
0: space mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think also as a culture, right. We interrupt that natural process all right. the time. Like if you know, let's just say someone um, lost a loved one and they're they're screaming and they're writhing and they're shaking and they're convulsing and they're falling to the ground, right? What our natural inclination is to comfort, shh, there, there, take some deep right, breaths, right. right? But, you know, if we can just, you know, essentially be with our clients when they're having these really intense responses, you know, what I understand from somatic experiencing is that that can be more transformative and effective right. than, you know, the, you know, they're there, you know, rub right. the back, calm down, right? Like that's what we hear a lot, even like with kids, right? Like calm down, you know, like right. versus if we can allow them the natural process of their emotions to do what they need to. right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the autonomic nervous system um, and what its role is in somatic experiencing. How do we tell us a little bit of, about it and explain to our listeners what it is and its role in regulating? Sure. Body
2: yeah uh so the autonomic nervous system has two main branches that we talk about for the somatic stuff: the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. so the sympathetic is the one that activates you, right? It gives your muscles the blood and the energy oxygen to to run if you need or fight if you need and then the the parasympathetic is the one that's calms everything down. They call it the rest and digest mm-hmm. one <clears throat> so really with within the somatic experiencing, we're looking. When clients come in, we're looking for this range of resilience, right? And we don't mm-hmm. want them to go too high or too low. Mm-hmm. So let's say they come in with a story and they're talking and you see them start to get really activated. As a clinician, you want to bring them to, to the edge of the resiliency. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you might see them start to not breathe or breathe too heavy or do some stuff and, you, and you're going to say, oh, then we need a little grounding
0: mm-hmm.
2: to come down. But you don't want them to go too far down because then they're going to go into the freeze, right, out of the range of resilience. So we're looking at the nervous system working in this way um, to then, as a clinician, make a determination how to keep them flowing. Because people are spiking at the top and the bottom, and we want them more of this nice flow Mm -hmm. in between this range of resilience.
0: And is that part of regulating the nervous system to keep them in that range?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do so we do that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. the uh it's it has to be it's all, you know, done very slowly. Mm-hmm. Right? So the main <laughs> thing that they talk about anytime that we're doing the training is you know, Pause. time and space. <laughs> Time and space, time and space. You get really good at being in quiet silence, you know, especially as a therapist, you're like, I'm good in science or silence. Uh, And science. Yes. This is science. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, the nervous system plays a huge role in it, really, Mm -hmm. because that's what you're paying attention to, not so much the story, right, because we're used to hearing the story. Mm -hmm. Same story over and over again, just in sort of different ways. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking – at the nervous system, the person sitting in front of you can gather like, oh, their speech is changing, mm-hmm. or their eyes are dilating, mm-hmm. or they're glazing over, or their breathing is changing, the skin.
0: Clenching fat. Clenching.
2: Jaw. The leg, yes. the jaw. So you're looking mm-hmm. for all of these signals that the nervous system mm-hmm. is giving you, essentially.
1: A lot of my clients, and I work with mostly trauma, a lot of my clients, and, and uh, their hands go numb. Um so many, and it, th- it was happening like over and over again. And I'm like, "What is this thing?" And I remember reading about it for the first time, actually, in one of Peter Levine's book, um, as um, you know, a response, um, a sympathetic fight or flight, fight or flight response, and Jewish right. tint in the fingers. Right. All these interesting things. So, and it, it would happen, it, it, would, it was so interesting, it would happen in session, you know, sometimes and they would just, it would just be like, oh my God, my hands, my fingers are tingling. I'm like, why is that? What is that? All, all these people having these similar kind of experiences that were like, why, you know?
2: Yeah. The cold hands and feet for sure is a main, people that get very cold and that's the body just kind of like bringing everything in, right? Because it's, it's, it's going down, right? Into like the freeze collapse. So everything's going to the middle of the body to kind of keep it warm. And then the and then when you hear a client be like, Oh my hands are getting warmer, then they've sort of they've is that calmed like
0: everything down. Moving from like dorsal to sympathetic. Yeah. Or like ventral. Yeah, yeah. 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 So moving like in and out of different states. Yeah. Right. so we'll talk a little bit about those different states um in a few questions, but that makes a lot of sense. Um I wanna talk a little bit about just our next question, is about especially for clinicians that aren't familiar with this work. I know we don't get a lot of, you know, somatic work in undergrad. Sure. sure. Um what what does it mean to be in tune and tracking your own nervous system as the clinician? And then, like you were saying, observing your client's nervous system responding. So, you know, they may start talking about a stressing topic and they're using a lot of hand movements or their voice may change or they look away. As a somatic experiencing therapist for you, those are all of your your cues right. and your, your gateways into knowing right. something is happening in the body right now you know, what am I going to do? So if you can just, you know, maybe paint a picture for our listeners of what it's like to be in the session, tracking your own nervous system and then tracking your clients.
2: Yeah. So I think sitting in the session, they call it like resonance Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. with your clients.
2: So, and, and I use like the example, like if you walked into a room and there was a couple there and they've been fighting though, you can't really see that they were fighting because they're just Mm -hmm. sitting there. You can feel it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. there's tension there right so it's the same thing in the therapy session mm-hmm. it's just you're sitting across from the person and you're you're listening like you said the story if they're going really really fast you're like oh they need to slow down mm-hmm. but you can feel it in your body cuz mm-hmm. it's almost like you just you can you you get a sense of it right so you're tracking your nervous system also what's really important to that is that you know yourself mm-hmm. right so there's there's a connection to yourself that says Um, And a lot of us were empaths, right? That's why we're therapists. So you you already kind of like have this sensation. Um, So yeah, and and you want to, because what what you want to do is, as a therapist, the client's coming to you. So they want to feel that your nervous system is stable. Mm
0: -hmm. And regulated. And regulated,
2: right? And... um, with it being regulated, then they're they're getting a sense of that. Mm-hmm. So if you start to feel yourself get frantic mm-hmm. in the session with them, or if you feel the emotion coming up right, then that's something that's more happening. Yep, like for them, but yep. you're reading it.
0: I know, like um, again, for just like some like earlier clinicians, it's like that if your if your client is sharing something, it's like oh your your throat starts to get constricted right. or your own breath starts to shorten or you feel a little pit in your stomach. Right. Those are your cues as a clinician. Something is shifting right now right. in the room between my client and I and within my own you know, system. Like, let me be curious about it. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I'll just say to a client as they're sharing, I'm like, wow, I just noticed myself. Take a big deep breath. I can imagine how distressing this is to you, right? So like, yes. as clinicians, this is key for us to be attuned to what's happening in our body. And you bring up such a good point, you know, when we're in the room, if our energy is frenetic when our client walks in that's immediately what they're going to pick up on right yeah Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and in in the somatic stuff we have a thing called it's they do a few acronyms right and so Mm. this one is rose Mm. right so it's the resonance that's Mm. what you're it's like they just kind of say you're picking up the broadcast Mm -hmm. from the client right Uh and then the o is observe so you're observing all of those things listening using you know using your sense to observe what's going on and then there's the self-report so you're using you know the first two to kind of self-report and then you're asking the client, mm. is this what's going on for mm. you, right? And then, then – because you don't – you could have an idea, but it's not going to be mm-hmm. um, completely accurate unless you really ask the client. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't pick it up quite right. and mm-hmm. then, And then if it comes to the point, then the last one, the E, is education. If you need to educate the client kind of on like what's happening – um, and also, yeah, so we use that to kind of really cool. be with the clients.
0: I like that acronym, Rose. It's like yeah. a nice, like, yeah. flowery, <laughs> soft one for athleticians. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then again, you were, you know, just, and I'm sure you you start to, you know, we get to know our clients. And so, um, you know, I'm just like, thinking of a few of my clients in general, like knowing what they're their cues are that their nervous system is starting to get activated. Oh, I just saw your ankle twiddle, or Oh, I I noticed that your feet are starting to pitter patter. Can we do those movements a little bit slowly as we're talking about this distressing topic?
2: Well, and one of the things that they talk a lot about is like, um, if somebody is doing a lot of things with their feet or something, Mm -hmm. you might say, oh, how's your lower body feeling? Mm, Because sometimes if you pull too close to what happening then they're going to be like oh no and they're going to get like Mm -hmm. nervous and self-conscious about it
0: cool that's a good tip Mm -hmm.
2: yeah Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. um and or the jaw like if you're seeing Mm -hmm. the jaw clench Mm -hmm. because that's a huge thing that happens a lot for people Mm -hmm. is the clenching of the jaw you can you can say you know let's um you know i think Mm -hmm. we should just maybe rub the jaw a little Mm -hmm. bit so you're not even bringing in that they were clenching Mm -hmm. but you're bringing in that there needs to be some movement yeah so -hmm. it's a lot of the stiffness constriction so Mm -hmm. so the somatic stuff's about noticing the constriction and finding the places to open it a little. Mm -hmm. Then the person, the nervous system is going to protect them, Mm -hmm. right? Even against you as a therapist. Mm. So I've said to people before you're coming in here and I believe that you trust me, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that Mm -hmm. your nervous system trusts Mm -hmm. me yet, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because I could still be a threat to your nervous system if I'm Mm -hmm. trying to take something away that you've Mm -hmm. been utilizing to protect yourself Mm -hmm. for so long, Mm -hmm. right? Like if somebody comes in, they're very angry. Mm -hmm. You can't be like, okay, let's stop the anger. Mm -hmm. They're going to, they're not going to do that. That's Mm -hmm. their safety.
0: Yeah. You bring up such a good point of trusting in relationships, right? Yeah. And it's not just about, you know, person to person, but nervous system to nervous system.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I know my clients are probably like this girl, what does she
0: want? (laughs) I know. Your nervous (laughs) system? What also is really um, uh, like abstract in terms of most people come in to talk, right? Do traditional talk therapy. And this work is more transformative going into the body, educating our clients, you know, explaining to them what is happening. You know, you're having these, these big feelings and there's thoughts attached to them, right? So that's like the cognitive part of our work but then also there's a body component and i right. think that's a piece that's really missing in our education yes. you yes. know
2: yes hugely mm-hmm. i am i stand so mm-hmm. so firmly behind this totally technique. yeah uh, Me too. the body's yeah. missing also because because i have my yoga stuff mm-hmm. and people do yoga and they're still in their ego and they're not mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. letting their body just do what it wants to do they're mm-hmm. saying this is how i need to look this is how i need to feel
1: mm-hmm.
2: right and so uh, it's, it's so important. It's so, so important. And I've seen clients transform and they'll say to me, I don't know how this works, but it's Mm -hmm. working.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or like it happens like ever so slightly. Right. And you just see the shift. It's so cool. Yeah. Great.
1: Um, so this is actually really interesting. I was actually trying to explain this to my client on Friday, uh, pendulation. And I was, I, 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 So what does it mean to pendulate? I was, I was, you know, telling her how we're going to, we're going to go back and forth very slowly, um, to process some of these difficult things that she was, um, struggling with. Um, so. It's interesting that it came up. I just was talking about it on Friday. But maybe you can explain to us what it means to pendulate.
2: Yeah. So the pendulation is really a natural thing that happens in the body. Mm. And we're trying to come back to that natural rhythm. Mm. And we do it with what you're saying, the titration. Mm. So the little bits at the time, the titration is the technique, but we're going for the pendulation. So somebody can, um, you know, learn their own pendulation because we're, we're guiding it, right, through... The titration of little, little bit of, you know, little pieces. Um, and so you're building this broader uh, window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. So somebody's gonna come in and they might say something where they're just like, I can't even deal with that. Well, they've just told you it's way too overwhelming. And if you try to talk about um, the main thing, they're not gonna be able to do it. Their system's already overwhelmed. So it's saying, okay. We're just going to titrate it like, just tell me a little piece here and then we'll stop and take a breath. Um, w- the way I feel like it tends to happen in my sessions is just I'm following their lead. So we'll say something and then I'll see them go back into the story. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to interrupt the story too often because mm-hmm. then they're going to feel – they're just going to be <laughs> agitated. Right. Uh, so there's that that Dallas. balancing. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah. And so too, when a person learns the pendulation, then Mm -hmm. they can use that in their life. They're going to all become so aware of their body. They're going to know when they don't want to do something so much sooner Mm -hmm. than maybe they had that awareness before.
0: Yeah. It is important to notice that like these techniques translate into like outside obsession, right? So like knowing like for clients, like, oh, I feel myself getting to those points of irritability or, oh, I'm a notch up. I'm at a place of overwhelm. Right. Uh, now I am in this state of fight. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: It's, you know, <laughs> instead of going from one to 10, you're like, oh, three, I'm noticing something here. Maybe I should take a second. I, yeah. I tell clients all the time, please, if you feel some emotion rise up, just say, let me get back to you with an answer. <laughs>
0: let me give me a minute. I don't have to answer right now. Yeah. 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 Um, you, you had said, you know, with pendulation, it's this natural rhythm, meaning like it's a biological imperative. It's a right. birthright. Right. So what has happened that it's become, again, disrupted? You know, why did we lose this? Like what would be some reasons? You know, I think about like early attachment issues, right? So like yes. if a parent is, you know, not able um, or limited in their ability to know how to regulate their own nervous system, would that maybe be like the first disruption for. Mm -hmm.
2: And they go in, in the somatic stuff, they go into when people are in womb, Mm. right? And their birth trauma. Mm. Uh, My little one has had, she's about to be seven, but she's Mm. had nightmares Mm -hmm. since she was an infant, like Mm -hmm. infant, infant. Mm -hmm. And I think that it has to do with her birth story, right? Mm -hmm. The cord wrapped around her neck, this Mm. kind of thing. There was a lots of her heart going down very far. Mm. So seeing it, seeing it play out in her, you know, those are truths. How mm-hmm. you're born. Mm-hmm. He has a video. Peter has a video. A video of a of a baby. I don't know if either of you guys have seen it, but he's working. I think the I think the baby's three or four months old mm-hmm. when he's working, mm. and the baby really is very lethargic, right? And so the mother's bringing the baby in because she's very concerned about this, and he starts to work with the with the feet and the baby pushing against the feet and pushing against the feet, and eventually the baby. Does it so much that it lets out this enormous cry, mm. and so he was really likening it to the fact that during during the birth, the child wasn't able to get out the way it needed mm-hmm. to get out with the force and the pushing, and it and its nervous system, even that little, mm-hmm. needed to complete the pushing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to let go. Mm-hmm. Right? How powerful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, of course, it brings tears to your eyes mm-hmm. when you watch that. So like, oh,
0: mm-hmm. there's
2: life, right? Mm-hmm. And so. It's vitality. We're Mm -hmm. bringing back vitality. Mm -hmm. People's shut down. They just shut down, and then there's Mm -hmm. that vitality is Mm -hmm. is lost, Mm
0: -hmm. and we need to be able to mobilize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cool. Um, Okay, this is one of my favorite words. Let's talk about neuroception. What does it mean, and why is it important?
2: Yeah, neuroception. Um, Yeah. The neuroception is really paying attention to your environment. It's it's unconsciously picking up everything mm-hmm. that lets you know: is this person safe? Mm-hmm. Is this situation safe? Is it dangerous? Mm-hmm. And the nervous system is just responding immediately to mm-hmm. that. You, we, I think, I think it's natural that everybody has felt like mm, I don't know about that person.
0: Something feels off.
2: Something feels off. We don't have to know what it is, but the body's saying something is off. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I, I ex- usually say perception is kind of like your conscious waking, like I, I perceive what's going on in the room and your perception's like something that's that that you don't you don't consciously perceive as to why it's making you feel the way it is, but it is.
2: Right, and So many people do the why. Right. And then they try and override. Yep. Yeah. Override what's what's true for them. We don't have to know why all yeah. the time.
0: I explain it to clients. I'm like, we have this natural BS sniffer. And so your nervous system is trying to assess and attune to, you know, what's happening and why do I feel it? It's kind of like when you were talking about the couple earlier, like you walk into the room and it's something that is unspoken beneath the surface. Right. but You can feel it in your body. Right. Like that's what I think about. When I and think for
2: about the it. neuroception, too, it's that especially if you uh, with attachment or you're growing up in, in a household where things are very dysfunctional your Your ability to pick up can get thwarted too, mm-hmm. where it's like I think this might be okay because I'm used to it, even though I feel like maybe it's not like mm-hmm. especially if somebody is not in tune with their body, if you get a sick stomach being with somebody, mm-hmm. you might be like, Well, I just have anxiety, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of believing your body mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah and 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 th- I think the thing I love about it too is um. It's our, our nervous systems reading each other's, right? Like when we were talking earlier about um, listening to our nervous systems, tracking our nervous systems. It's that energy between two people just, you know, this unspoken exchange that's occurring, you right. know? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, and why do we think this is important? Why is this, is that part important um, between our clients? I think it might go back into what you were saying earlier of like, you know, if your client walks in and you have an anxious energy their nervous system is going to pick that up as soon as they come into the room.
2: Yeah. yeah. And and I think, you know, as a therapist, you're having people come in and, and they're getting the chance to sit with someone in safety, mm-hmm. right? And once their body is picking up the safety of that, then they know what that feels like a little bit more, or mm-hmm. they're learning what it feels like to actually be mm-hmm. heard, mm-hmm. right? These kinds of things. And so the neuroception is that it's just on that, that nervous system level. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. Love that.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the polyvagal theory um and the three response states and how it ties into all this. Can you explain a little bit to our listeners um what the polyvagal theory is briefly i know it's i mean it's not that brief i remember <laughs> one, or <laughs> one or two
0: one or two lines
1: the, the actual the book that <laughs> stephen porges wrote i can't pronounce his last pronounce his last name i was like i can't i can't Yes, make stephen
0: porges's out. theory it's powerful yeah. it's dense and that book is very dry, oh, is very dry.
1: Yeah. But deb Dana, <laughs> it's hard to get anybody through. ever have you read the one by deb Dana?
2: no
0: she has a great um, podcast through um, Sounds True called "Befriending Your Nervous System." Okay, and her work is just so much more um, like tangible yeah. and integratable with clients. Um, yeah. yeah, she she simplifies it. She's done a lot of work with Stephen Porges, but yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the polyvagal theory, right? It's to me when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, the polyvagal theory is really just like this theory behind
1: mm-hmm.
2: what Somatic Experiencing's mm-hmm. application is,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Yes, and so you know, Peter Levine and, and Stephen Porges, they got together and they mm. they talked about this, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I think, you know, Peter Levine saw the stuff happening and then Porges was like, oh, this is what I'm mm-hmm. saying is happening in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the polyvagal theory. So we have the vagus nerve, which has really connected all of our organs, mm-hmm. right? And so, it's, um, so then they they realized they wanted to break it down. Right. Into into different ones. So they have we'll go with what's what's the newest (laughs) right first, which is the ventral vagal Mm -hmm. social engagement Mm -hmm. one and the social engagement. So important for somatic experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's how, you know, relating to others. uh, It's that it's that ability to say, I feel safe here Mm -hmm. and your whole body is feeling safe. Your your organs are feeling safe. Everything's working just like perfectly fine. Uh I watched this great video and they kind of the guy broke it down into traffic lights. Mm, so this mm-hmm. would be the green traffic light, mm-hmm. right? Like everything's good, we're good. Skipping emotional homeostasis. I yeah. love that video. I
1: saw it. It was one yeah. of the explaining it. I saw yeah. it a while ago. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so I'm like, okay, everything's green, everything's good. Mm-hmm. Um and then the the second one being the sympathetic activation. So this is the mobilization of stress. Mm. So that sympathetic nervous system, right? It's coming in and saying something's happening and we need to do something, Mm -hmm. right? It's mobilizing the stress. Um, So it would be the run, the fighting, uh, tension. This would be where anxiety is. Mm -hmm. And then, too, a lot of people that kind of get stuck with this state a little bit, the sympathetic, have a lot of tension in their back. Mm -hmm. Um, So some clients, right, we will be talking a lot about, like, physical pain that they feel where this is, like, the manifestation of whatever – they've gotten stuck in mm-hmm. and then the third one being the dorsal vagal shutdown. so this is the oldest right this is mm-hmm. the most primal one that said i need to survive and i need to act dead to survive um this would be like the immo- immobilization of stuff nothing can happen there's no agency they're freezing lack of motivation people have shame here they'll have depression mm-hmm. here um so those those are you know it's a the states that were our nervous system is in um but we want kind of like two and three are the survival states where mm-hmm. if we hang out there too much then we're just in this survival mode all of the time and then we can't get out of it and what was so fascinating about watching that guy's video um talking about the ear mm-hmm. and when you you know when you're in trauma, your your hearing changes, mm-hmm. your ability to hear. Mm-hmm. So you want to hear sounds that are very high pitched and very low pitched. And so you can't hear that middle range. And mm. so one of the things that this guy said in the video was if you're, if you have trauma and you're working with it, you want to listen to mid range music. Mm. He, he made a joke about like Disney music. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause I guess that
0: <laughs> frozen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did a presentation on this uh, polyvagal theory a couple months ago, and one of my one of the things I said was like most of our clients come in with symptoms that are indicative of being in a sympathetic or dorsal right. state. I'm depressed. I'm shut down. I have no motivation. Right. I'm anxious. I'm angry. I'm disconnected, right? And so. Like, how transformative could it be if we were informed about this theory earlier on versus pathologizing everyone? Right. You have generalized anxiety disorder. You have depression. You have this. You have that. Right? Like, like, no, maybe, like, all of us have trauma and collective trauma, and that is where we need to go in order to resolve the symptoms associated with, you know, diagnosis like acute stress disorder or PTSD. Right. Right. The other thing I just want to say, and this is really important for social workers, is their work needs to be informed by theory. And so I love that you were able to give a little bit of history around Stephen Porges and Peter Levine coming together right. and working on this, you know, this, 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 you know, really important work. So,
2: yeah. And it's hard for me now just having all of this knowledge to mm. uh, pathologize people <laughs> at this point. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, no, I'm just coming from trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have trauma. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and we need to work it through the nervous system yeah. so that you feel some sort of relief, healing, right. relief, yeah. something. Because yeah. it it becomes such a – just the way of being that people really believe it. And I've been saying yeah. it for years to my clients. When they come in, especially if they've been previously diagnosed by anybody, mm. I'm like, do you think you have that? Mm-hmm. Do you think you have depression? Mm-hmm. So to give them a voice, like maybe mm-hmm. they don't agree with the diagnoses mm-hmm. that they've given been mm-hmm. given.
1: It, yeah, it's so interesting to also say that and try to t- – teach our clients i mean i have one specific one that i'm working with currently and I mean, geez, the amount of things that this person has been through is is beyond belief at a very very young age and she would come in she comes in every week with a new thing that she thinks she has i i i have i have autism i'm like no <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: next week it's like i have histrionic personalities i'm like no 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 it's none of these things you know i'm nice. like and i keep going back to this i'm like you've been through everything you could, I'm like, so we did the ACEs, um, you know, survey. I'm like, sure. okay, let's do the ACEs. Let's see what your ACEs score is. And she was a 10 out of 10. And I was like, how do you, you know what I mean? This is trauma. This is what's going on. You know? And it, it was, it was, it's, it's taking a little time for her to believe that this is really what's happening to me. And I'm not like, All these thousands of different things.
2: (laughs) I've had several clients tell me that they hate the fact that I say trauma all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm desensitizing you Mm -hmm. because trauma Mm -hmm. is normal Mm -hmm. in the way that it happens, right? And we don't have to be afraid of that word. It's the nervous system is doing its job. It its job is to protect us. And and so it's trauma. Somebody's cat dying can be trauma. Yeah.
0: And oftentimes we're the only secure and safe attachment figure that they've, you know, ever known. And so of course their nervous system is going to fight that, that bond and and relationship and connection. Um, And I guess this kind of goes into our next question. Why is co-regulation so key um, for our work with our clients?
2: Yeah. And so the, uh, in the somatic stuff they talk about the three different types of regulation where there's like self-regulation and the Mm -hmm. co-regulation. And so the co-regulation piece of it is, that connection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when you really feel connected, there's a harmonizing that goes on, mm-hmm. right? That the person's really-
0: What a nice word, harmonizing. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and you want to harmonize around, the, you, you can tell the, the people around you, if they're calm, you're calm. Um, you, you, The body is looking for the facial cues, the breath of the people around you. If you're sensing tension in the other person's body, because mm-hmm. if their shoulders are up, you're going to see that and register it even though you might not be consciously registering that. So the co-regulation is exactly that where it's just, you know, sitting and and being open to the person so that they are feeling open. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I say to my clients too. I'm like part of my objective is like to create an environment, a space that elicits calm and then also right. to be the vehicle, you know, and it can like just be a simple exhale. And so that's what you're talking about as the clinician being that for them. So that their nervous system and, and them can know what that's like because they may step out of our office and as soon as they take, you know, whether it's like look at the cell phone or get in the car with their family member or whatever it is, they can swing out of that state of, of regulation. Right? Right. The other thing is like, and again, like our field, it's like it, all this buzz about self-regulation when in actuality it's, it's really about co-regulation. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. And mm-hmm. in trauma, mm-hmm. people get used to doing it on their own. And so they don't Mm -hmm. know about co-regulation because Mm -hmm. they didn't have safety Mm -hmm. in others. Mm -hmm. And they're so used to that, that sometimes the idea of safety or the sensation of safety is overwhelming for Mm -hmm. the body. Mm -hmm. So you have to work with that too. Mm -hmm. I've had, um, you know, different situations where clients have had, um, previous experiences with clinicians or doctors or stuff like this, that they could not trust the professional for a variety of reasons. And, are bringing that into our session. Although I'm a new person, they're already coming in with "I don't trust you," mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's me noticing that, right? Noticing, listening to the story to notice that, and then not, you know, not playing the story out for them because mm-hmm. sometimes clients do that. They play mm-hmm. the same stories out with the clinician. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's not they're not trustworthy as a professional or something mm-hmm. like this. Um, and so, yeah, that co-regulation that takes a lot of time i mean trauma work takes time Mm -hmm. it's not one of those situations that oh in 10 months we're good Mm -hmm. right um it can take years and years and Mm -hmm. and uh, and i've had clients i've seen them for five years and then they're finally Mm -hmm. starting to like let some stuff happen um more Mm -hmm. than just like one moment because i'll say Mm -hmm. something like oh yeah, can we just like take one second with the body here? Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, "Mm, (laughs) uh, okay. And then they start talking again, (laughs) right? And there was no moment at all, right? And so that happens a lot.
0: I think clients also don't like it, you know, us being this vehicle to remind them to pause and go slow and be in their body because right, right, we live in this culture of a fast pace, moving from one thing to the next, you know? And so –
2: and in the in those situations it's like you have to take them really far outside of their body like there's you mm-hmm. know if they stand and you have them squeeze their feet on the ground cuz it's like then they're paying attention to their feet not so much as this internal thing so you kind of gauge in this like how internal can they go and if they can't go very far internal you have to do outside things mm-hmm. whether it's like oh you're going to take a drink of that water tell me how it feels going down your throat mm-hmm. is it cold is it warm just something very general mm-hmm. to get them very, very slightly in touch mm-hmm. with their body. I've had clients who can't mm. breathe.
0: Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Cold right. water. Yep.
2: So if they can't breathe, like they're breathing, obviously, but they can't consciously breathe, mm-hmm. that I have to do something else because breathing is one of the main things that mm-hmm. I use. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? Because that's something we can use to help the, parasy- the parasympathetic nervous system come online mm-hmm. is breathing. And mm-hmm. I've had clients who are like, no, I can't breathe.
0: Mm-hmm. And they're right. Some and of they're right. They the can't sh- breathe. Super shallow. Super yep. shallow. Yeah. And
2: so it'll be like, okay. Let's do something else. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a great idea. Cold water.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool.
1: Sparkling, right? Also?
0: Yeah.
2: Anything. Hot water, cold water, sparkling. Just something mm-hmm. that's giving them an idea of mm-hmm. – um, or I'll have people breathe. Like if you curl your tongue and you breathe the air in, it's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So it will feel cool against the tongue. And mm-hmm. then they're breathing. They don't know they're breathing. And then – but they're still, like, yeah. they're getting a sensation in their body. I
0: like Some to do like um, <laughs> the voo breathing with yeah. my clients. <laughs> they're like, what? I'm like, just try it.
2: <laughs> I always do it with them because yeah. they're I'm so like, nervous. Mm. Like, Come on, voo.
0: Come on. <laughs> well,
2: not so much like the yoga stuff, chanting. Yes. I would right. say, like, you know, ohm and yoga. I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> Just try it. Because it's, mov- it's moving things out of the throat.
0: Yeah. Mobilizing the vagus nerve. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I was gonna. So, how does this powerful technique help our clients heal from trauma? I guess we just talked about some of the ways that it could. Um, pro-regulating helps, um, you know, move them through very difficult moments and in,
2: in, in treatment. Um, yeah, and right? I think about it like the the constriction has stopped the flow of things, mm. and so we're kind of trying to re- release the constriction, and then there comes more flow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also just like, you know, the physical medical implications that i have right so like if we're constricting all of these bodily organs right like the vagus nerve is literally wired through all these different systems in the body right. um and there's constriction in all these different systems like we see a lot of like gi issues right that's super right. common right um and so you know what you're saying is like we're trying to again like release that constriction in the body yeah know?
2: and i think of kids all the time kids mm-hmm. they're so free Right, they're so mm-hmm. free, mm-hmm. and then we can, and then we constrict them, sit down, and don't talk, and do mm-hmm. this, and mm-hmm. and then the constriction happens. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's a good way to kind of conceptualize it. it mm-hmm. Is like we want the freedom that children have, mm-hmm. the playful, uh, the playfulness,
0: sympathetic state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not a sympathetic state.
2: The parasympathetic, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, or the vagal. Vagal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> social connected. I'm like, wait, something like a stress. <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I was all 40 and slip. <laughs> okay. And, and obviously, this is a very dense um, material and, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you studied a lot. Um, to get to where you are as a, a clinician, um, who does somatic experiencing, but are there any just small integrated integratable techniques that you could offer, offer our listeners, um, who are clinicians that could, um, begin using somatic experiencing in their sessions?
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely time and space, mm-hmm. right. Um, mm-hmm. where, and it's interrupting clients. So mm-hmm. clients that I had before I did mm-hmm. the training, mm-hmm. i changing over to start of doing the somatic stuff mm-hmm. was like, I'm doing this new thing, mm-hmm. and sometimes we're gonna have to, like, you know, pause. I'm gonna pause <laughs> us, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the newer people that I see, that I say to them, mm-hmm. I practice somatic experiencing, and in that we kind of um, in- interject. Mm-hmm. So I might interject you in the middle of something, mm-hmm. and I'm doing that because it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, so with new with clients that you already have, it's kind of bringing up like I'm tr- I'm learning something new, and I think mm-hmm. we just sometimes we need to just take a pause, check in, see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really important. Um, so you might say something like, can we sit with your tears mm, for mm, a moment? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or like Give if the tears space. had a word, what would it mm-hmm. be? Um, mm-hmm. And then two, uh, addressing your own traumas, mm-hmm. right? Like I- if you're not aware of your own stuff, that can get in the way. Mm-hmm. So that's really important for mm-hmm. clinicians to your own trauma mm-hmm. work, depending mm-hmm. on what's going on for you in your body in your life. Um, and asking about any body awareness. Mm-hmm. Just any body awareness. Um, if you notice their shoulders are tight, just saying, like, oh, you know, are you feeling tense at all? How are you mm-hmm. feeling today? Just kind of some general stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, language is a big one. Language, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and if people are, you know, bringing in mindfulness, mm-hmm. so if somebody's really activated saying,
0: I think maybe we could,
2: should just take a calming breath for a moment here. There's a lot of information,
0: and mm-hmm. I think we just need to give a second. Mm-hmm. Um That's a good point. Yeah, because our our clients tend to come in and they're like, Right. 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 So, like, just those little interjections of, like, okay, like let's just – I noticed again. I noticed. Yeah.
2: And sometimes, too, I'll just have people come in and we'll just – I'll say, like, okay, let's just start the session just, like, breathing mm-hmm. for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. So, let's just, like, shut down the eyes. Let's breathe a couple minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then sometimes they'll – be almost like totally refreshed like mm-hmm. the session is going to go in a completely different direction than totally. i was going to go
0: in oh that's a great idea to start the session
2: yeah yeah uh and yes so the somatic stuff is super in depth <laughs> we didn't even talk about the fact that these overcoupling and undercoupling with emotions and feelings and stuff uh, it's very it gets very intense and that, uh,
0: so somatic experiencing part two podcast
2: Hard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> five and six and seven. uh But those things, you know, those things, people can feel emotions tied in. They can feel sadness and anger at exactly the same time, and they Mm -hmm. don't feel like they're separate. Mm -hmm. And so part Mm. of the somatic stuff is Mm. starting to separate things, Mm. and you need the time and space to do Mm. that. That's great. So if you use time and space as as a clinician just learning this, Mm -hmm. you'll start to see some of that stuff take place um, where you're giving them a second to – Touch in. How many times have I had somebody touch in? They weren't crying and then they start crying.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, I don't even know why I'm crying. Exactly. (laughs) And then it would be like, oh, let's
1: see what the
2: tears want to say about that.
1: (laughs) I usually get a, I hate you. Why are you making me do this? (laughs) I, I
2: would tell people all the time. My favorite thing is to make people cry.
1: I know, when they start crying. I hate you.
0: <laughs> that's what I say to my therapist who does somatic experiencing. I'm like, I hate our sessions. Just like in in the like when she's like, okay, be with it, stay with it, I'm, and she's like, move it. And I'm like, I, you know, I hate this. Hate, hey, right. but it's so powerful and very effective. And then you could even go right. You could be
2: like, well, let's sit with the hate for a minute.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Like maybe there's mm-hmm. some
2: anger or frustration, <laughs> right? Bring a word to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny because mm-hmm. we're like, no, I don't want to cry.
0: But I, you do bring up a good point because a lot of us orient through the lens of traditional psychotherapy like right that's what we're taught in school Um, and so adopting some you know interchangeable language may feel a little bit um, precarious or uncomfortable initially Uh, but again just just saying I'm trying some new techniques is a good you know good tip for clinicians that want to start with this work and then um, is there any like hey go here look at this website or hey this is where I did my training that you would want um, clinicians or listeners to know
2: um it was, I think it's Trauma Pro Somatic Experiencing. I'd have to like give it to you so maybe you can put it in the notes. Yeah, yeah. Thing. yeah. Um, any of Peter Levine's books are great. Yeah, uh, You had mentioned the one, too. Yeah, um,
1: three of them I, yeah that I've, I've read. Yeah. Mm. Waking the Tiger, Trauma and Memory and in an Unspoken Voice.
2: Yeah, and they have he has a ch- child one, too. I can't remember. Okay,
1: you're right. Yeah, I didn't read that one, though. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, two, um see if I can remember it right now.
1: Pat Ogden's big, big, big uh, sensory motor psychotherapy is a great book. It's really, really large. It's like a textbook, but the entire book mostly is really like somatic um, exercises. Um, It's a great book. Malia, child therapist, I have it at the office, always goes in and actually uses a lot of them. Um, I think, you know, it's a great, it's a great resource. It's heavy though. (laughs) It's big.
2: Well, and I feel like the highly sensitive books yeah. are really important mm-hmm. to this, too, because mm-hmm. a lot of the people, you know, have a highly sensitive nervous system, mm-hmm. and that's part of the trauma. Yeah. Um, so I, I like the highly sensitive
0: um, person
2: and mm-hmm. the highly sensitive child book, yes. too. HSP.
0: Yeah, yep. for mm-hmm. sure. Takes one to know one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Amy, thank you so much for joining sure. us. This is awesome. Thank you so, so much for appreciate it. Me. Next time on Two Therapist Tales, we'll be welcoming Jamie Hanley. LP's uh, licensed professional counselor to the podcast as we reflect on what we have learned as we approach the one year mark of our world shutting down due to COVID 19. And our closing quote By listening to the unspoken voice of my body and allowing it to do what it needed to do, by not stopping the shaking, by tracking my inner sensations while also allowing the completion of the defensive and orienting responses, and by feeling the survival emotions of rage and terror without becoming overwhelmed. I came through mercifully unscathed, both physically and emotionally. I was not only thankful, I was humbled and grateful to find that I could use my method for my own salvation. So that's Peter Levine in Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma. Thank you everyone. Thank you. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for therapy or mental health treatment. Please, Reach out to a licensed professional or facility if you are struggling and need to talk to someone.